Next Chapter Podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, everybody. So today's episode features one of my best friends in the whole world. Someone I love talking to about music, art, life, and everything in between. I love having guests like this because they have so many great stories and are so knowledgeable about the music world and creativity in general. So if you like listening to people who know their stuff, I want to clue you in on a fantastic show from Next Chapter Podcast and Alex Collegian, the creator of the hit indie filmmaking talent hunt, Project Greenlight, called How I Got Greenlit. It's a show where Alex and his co-host, Emmy-winning producer Ryan Gibson, dig through their Rolodex of contacts in the film industry and talk to working professionals about how they fell in love with movies and how they are able to break into the business. Take a fascinating deep dive into the nuts and bolts of how movies like Cabin Fever, Changing Lanes, and the Final Destination and American Pie franchises got made. Listen to How I Got Greenlit wherever you get your podcasts or go to ncpodcast.com to learn more. Back to the show, y'all. The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The king of these four Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J.A.M. Talking the 500 until the end You strike my side by accident As you go down for your gold The cripple here that you clothe and feed Song is Avalanche is by Leonard Cohen from his record Songs of Love and Hate from 1970. It's also 295 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, party people? I want to thank everybody that came to Comics at Mohegan Sun. I had a blast being at the casino with Lekka Dog. I wish I could have stayed for Sunday night because Hall and Oates were there. I would have loved to have seen Hall and Oates in the amphitheater. It's in more of an arena, but I would have loved it. Uh, and I'm excited about Skankfest this weekend. If you're in Vegas and you've already gotten tickets because it's sold out, I will be at Skankfest. Ooh, it's gonna rule. 
Uh, if you can't make it there, I'll be back in Vegas uh, doing the Comedy Cellar uh, November 28th through December 4th. But uh, October 20th through the 22nd, I'll be at the Funny Bone in St. Louis. November 5th, I will be at Bananas, New Jersey. November 6th, I have a very special show planned in Philadelphia. I can't really tell you, but I just kind of did. November 10th through the 12th, Side Splitters in Tampa. November 20th uh, and the 21st, I'll be at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles. Like I said, the Comedy Cellar Vegas, uh, November 28th through December 4th. I'll be at the Comedy Connection Rhode Island December 9th through the 10th, and then I'm doing a show December 11th in Vermont. Uh, Details to follow. And for New Year's, I'll be at the Plano, Texas House of Comedy with my buddy John Carden uh, December 29th through the 31st. I want you guys to come. Come to these shows, man. Uh, My hour is really fun. Music, it's comedy, it's everything. Uh, You can get tickets at joshadammyers.com. And uh, you can follow me where I post clips daily at Josh Adam Myers. Uh, Also, subscribe to my YouTube, youtube.com backslash Josh Adam Myers. Clips, skits, everything. Check out Himbo's podcast uh, with me and Justin Silver where we're helping uh, the Himbros and Bimbros uh, regain power. There's nothing wrong with being a himbo. Uh, And you can get that podcast anywhere you get your podcast. It's really fun. It's really funny. Check it out. And subscribe to the Patreon for the 500, guys, because they need your money. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. You get free merch. You get to ask questions for $5 a month. And, And that's it. It's only five bucks, and you've got it. Mark in Toronto, you've got it. I know you already pay. The guys from Vancouver, Eric, and the other dudes, I know you got it. The dude in Edmonton that cried when he met me, you rule. Subscribe. Um, I mean, it's just OG Maria, she does. And I love her. Who am I forgetting? Crazy Evan, who runs our Facebook account. I love you. Uh, so subscribe to the Patreon. Subscribe. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. If you subscribe, I give you a ranking in the Fleece Army. And who doesn't want to be a general in the Fleece Army? All right, let's talk about Leonard Cohen. So, for me, it was always hallelujah. I didn't know much about him. Anytime I went to Montreal, I would see pictures of him everywhere. And it was great to be able to dive into this record. Uh, And then, when you're looking for a guest, I have a very, very close friend who happens to be one of the best bass players in the world. Uh, Lo and behold, also a good friend and co-worker of the incredible Leonard Cohen, the one and only Tall Wilkenfeld. Uh, she's got an incredible record out called Love Remains. I opened for her at Cafe Wa. She loves comedy. She loves music. She's played with all of the greats. And I mean, Herbie Hancock, Mick Jagger, Jeff Beck, Prince, Eric Clapton. I mean, it goes on. She's recorded with Sting and, and Hans Zimmer. I mean, just so many incredible people. She's an incredible songwriter, an incredible singer. Uh, one of the best bassists in the world and just just knows music and is a very near and dear friend to me. And so we had been planning on getting her on the podcast for Jeff Buckley, but you know, when we got Brandon, I was just like, can you do anything else? And she looked at it and she was like, yeah, Leonard Cohen. This is a big deal for her to talk about Leonard Cohen the way that she's doing it. Um, you know, she knew him very well. 
So we're getting a very special behind the scenes look of not just the record, but of the artist and who he really was. So I can't thank Tall enough for coming on and being so uh, so open about it. Raid review and subscribe to the 500 anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. Go to joshadammyers.com for all tickets. Follow the Facebook group with Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. All right, everybody. Songs of Love and Hate coming in at 295 by Leonard Cohen. You're like you're the only person that I could be watching a show and you suddenly go, Josh, come up here and, and entertain the crowd while I tune. <laughs> <laughs> It was the funniest thing. We we were at we'd be in a cafe wide. I I never you know I only smoke pot if I'm going to not be performing. Do you know what I mean? And I and I was like, well, I'm gonna go see Tall play. I'm so excited. And then as soon as I got there, you were like, Josh, go warm up the crowd. I was like, <laughs> motherfucker, dude. Uh, luckily, I had played that room a bunch of times, and you killed it. You really. I you am really so did. glad that you did. No, it's fun. That was really fun. I'm glad you asked me to do it too because I always feel like there's like the do you ever have nights where you're where you're performing? Well, now you're performing, but you have to perform, but you just don't feel like you're in the right frame of mind for it. Like, does that that's because you've played on such massive scales that there has to be times where you're just not, you know, one confident or in your head, or you're you're more just you're you know, you're just filled with the the mishmash of life. Like, does that happen to you a lot? I don't think it happens a lot, but I it's definitely happened, and it's usually I'm I'm like not in the music. I'm like this spectator out just outside of the music, and I can't quite penetrate it. And it's like it's this unexplainable. I mean, we're not the ones that get to choose whether that happens to us or not, anyway. But when it does happen, it's it's frustrating. Um, but then there's there's inevitably some moment like within the set. Like, it doesn't last that long. There's, like, a moment where something really um, striking happens, whether it's, like, in the audience or, like, on stage, and it just sucks you right back into being present. And that's why I love, like, improvised music, um, because you have no choice but to be present with what's happening. And it's the same with comedy. It's, like, if you're actually going to be speaking to the crowd, you have to be present. So even if you like go on stage and you're just kind of like in your head and you're not really there, it's like that can only last so long. Otherwise, you're just not going to deliver. I feel like they know it. I feel like they know it immediately. If I walk up there at all, just like this is, you know, I'm doing going from this joke to this joke to this. That's why I'm so like nervous about getting ready. I'm going to tape my special in 2023 with the band and do everything. But I'm almost I'm bringing the band so I can be present. Because when I'm playing music and when I'm singing to the crowd and when I'm doing the the stuff that I do, that's when I'm like I'm there and instead of just going up and being like first joke, second joke, third joke. Um, all right, here, let's. I want to jump in this. We only have we only have less than an hour, and you know what I think. I'm so excited to have you on for this one because remember we we talked about different records. We tried to get you on in the past and either scheduling or or whatever just didn't work out and and months ago not even i would say over a year ago you were like when is this when is the leonard cohen record coming up well it was also it's jeff buckley and then when is leonard cohen and and for me i wanted you to do this one more because i 
I and I'm, I mean, this is me being complete. I feel like I say this about every record we ever have on the podcast is that I only know Leonard Cohen as as Hallelujah. I know he wrote that, and I know that he's one of the most respected songwriters, and people love him. And and so this is my first real record of listening to his music. And I, before I even get into anything about how I feel, like you have a way different relationship with him. And I know, you know, you could say whatever you want, but like, just tell me about that. Maybe you want to take it back to the first moment you even heard of him, and then how that evolved. But it's your your show. You tell me. Yeah. Um... I was first introduced to him through Hallelujah 2 because I heard Jeff Buckley and I heard this song and I was like, this is the most unbelievable song I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and then once I, I found out who wrote it, I, I went straight for Leonard's poetry. I didn't go looking for other songs yet. I just went straight for the books. So I, I, I bought all of them. And they were like all scattered around my bedroom, and I was obsessed with these words. Were you were you always into like poetry and stuff? Like you're you just you're. I mean, you've you've had to be mature. You've had to you had to be like living on a much mature level than your age for so many years because of of like how talented you are and where that took you. Were you before like when you were in your teens? Were you into poetry and? And reading, it's like, I only feel like I read when I was, like, assigned something. I started music as a songwriter, like, as a singer-songwriter with a guitar when I was 14. And when I switched to bass, I'd already, like, I moved to America when I was 16 by myself as a guitarist. And as soon as I moved here, I went to this school that I got a scholarship for, um, and they were really serious about playing and so I got serious about playing and I switched to bass and I got really into instrumental music. So all the words and lyrics kind of um, were on pause for for quite a while. And I think that really helped me uh, on a number of levels. Like it helped me focus on learning the instrument, but it also freed me from the burden <laughs> of expressing everything I was feeling with words which it was it was overwhelming what I was going through mm-hmm. and so being able to just like play and release all those emotions without further examination or thought just in pure music was so healing for me and I really needed that phase of my life which lasted years I mean it went into you know me playing with the Allman Brothers, which led to the Jeff Beck gig and Chick Corea and Prince and all the people that I played with. I was playing Herbie Hancock. It was mainly instrumental music. Yeah. And so um, that was really awesome. Uh, When I discovered Jeff Buckley and then Leonard, this is right around the time when I was starting to look back at the, the first... Uh, few years of my music life, which was lyrics and songs. And so I, I started getting very inspired to put these feelings and thoughts into words again. And Leonard was like the inspiration. Um, and also Bob Dylan and Paul Simon, which is pretty funny because this record, the producer, Bob Johnston, like he did 
two of my favorite Dylan records and the Simon and Garfunkel records, all like in a really short period of time, like a few years, he recorded all of my favorite records, which is just unbelievable in and of itself. Like what an amazing gift that they were all giving each other. Um, It's like one of my favorite periods of music is right there. Those, those few years. So um, I got into Leonard and then, Um, I remember it was time for me to rehearse and I'd moved back to LA because I was LA and then I moved to New York to like play jazz and then I moved back to LA and so I decided I was going to do my first tour like as an artist because I've been asked for a number of years to go on tour as an artist but I was like well I don't know what what am I going to play like I wasn't ready like even though I had like an album of instrumental songs I was like I don't, I don't think this is like me yet. Whatever me is like it. I just felt like I want to get into the songs. How old are you? I was probably 23. Yeah. You don't... Yeah. 23 <laughs> or so. It's so young. Um, maybe 24. It was early ish twenties, maybe to mid twenties. Um, so I went to this rehearsal studio, uh, SIR on sunset with my band and I was rehearsing starting to play some songs with lyrics mm-hmm. and the manager of SIR comes in and he says hey um uh, Leonard Cohen's bass player is standing outside your door and he's dying to meet you um would you do you want to meet him uh and I was like of course of course and he's like well yeah let me come and introduce you and then and I met him and he was so sweet and then he's like come come to our rehearsal and so he the bass player and the manager michael is, is his name um they walked me into leonard's rehearsal and i'm like i love leonard going at this yeah. time i'm like you know nobody has uh, made a stronger impression on me Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. And so I walk into this rehearsal studio, and he's standing right there, and I've got um, the bassist and the manager both like saying to Leonard, like, hey, this girl is like really great and you should hear her and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and he was so interested and like was asking me all these questions and having a really nice conversation with me. And he, you know, welcomed me to, to sit there and watch them rehearse uh, for days. Like I was there. And um, one of the most, uh, amazing experiences I had was I was the only audience 
aside from aside from one other person and can you guess who the other audience was Fran Drescher from The Nanny. So close. <laughs> Roshi. Roshi. Like his 104-year-old uh, monk. Really? Well, like I don't even monk. know. He, <laughs> he's okay, a monk? Okay, so he went... Yeah, Leonard was ordained as a monk and like spent like over 10 years at Mount Baldy, which uh, is in California, like meditating and studying Buddhism and stuff. And so this monk... I was like just sitting there with the monk watching Leonard Cohen rehearse. And it was the most magical, very L.A. in a way <laughs> experience, especially when Leonard walks off of this um, rehearsal stage and gets on his knees and grabs a jar of caviar and starts feeding the monk caviar. <laughs> really? Like, like just like the guy, like the monk's just not using his hands and he's just... <laughs> You said he was he 104 was really, years old, right? Yeah, he was. He was very old. Um, but he had refined tastes. Yeah. <laughs> it was just image that's like burned into my brain for eternity. Um, but yeah, so we uh, exchanged email addresses and um, we we stayed in touch and you know going back and forth. And then I was given this award. I think it was called. I don't know the whatever award for some some achievement uh like the young gun award or something right mm. um and i decided to play a leonard cohen piece on my five string bass just singing and playing it um i played chelsea hotel for a number of reasons um yeah, what but, was uh, the reason? Because I, I, that's the one information that we found that you covered chelsea hotel like what like what what was the reason for that song and and not some of the other ones. Yeah, it was because I, I was staying there for quite a while at the Chelsea Hotel when I was um, 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in the room that Janis Joplin lived Jeez. in, uh, which was the room that, you know, that the song Chelsea Hotel is about him and Janis yeah. Joplin. So it was just like a point of connection um, in, many, in many ways. And so I did that song, and uh, and then he heard that, and um, I don't know if I sent it to him. I probably sent it to him, like a YouTube clip. And I remember going to meditate, um, and when I came out of this really deep meditation, I received this like email from him, like, "Hey, like, what what are you doing right now? Do you want to come over and?" So I came over and we had the most magical conversation um, that was probably seven hours long. Is he, is he, because everything I know about him, listening to especially this record, even the title of it, Songs of Love and Hate, it's just he feels like a very, like every word that's probably coming out of his mouth is like, you know, uh, so thought out and just direct and, and like he, you know what I mean? Like is, is, is he, you know, is he able to, to, to be and connect and like, you know, and laugh and stuff like that? Does he have that? It's like, I don't, I don't, everything I see him, he just looks like this very stoic dude. <laughs> well, you know what? He has this fu really funny quote. He says, um, I have the face of someone that sits on their ass all day. Like, cause he's literally on his ass all day writing or playing. And that's why like that ref, you know, the reference of like the hunchback, which is, uh, in a bunch of the songs like avalanche and 
like you know he's he's kind of hunched over doing what he does and <laughs> yeah um no he's uh he's one of the funniest wittiest people ever really oh yeah i mean like go like have you like checked out these lyrics i mean like like last year's man the way that he like is um self-demeaning like in a very Jewish kind of a way. I mean, he's very much like got that whole Larry David uh, kind of uh, Woody Allen really? thing of like just kind, that Jewish humor. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so funny. You know, it's all, I didn't even for a second, I, I, even though his last name's Cohen, I didn't even put two and two together that he was Jewish. I was just, I never, I don't know why. I don't know. Please don't look at me like that. I That's don't a Jew's hop on the table. That's a crayon <laughs> in his hand. You know, I met a lady, she was playing with her soldiers in the dark. Oh, one by one, she had to tell them that her name was Joan of Arc. Uh, I can't even explain how, how deeply he affects me because he's, he's funny and serious and deep. He's everything all at once. Some women wait for Jesus and some women wait for Cain. So I hang upon my altar and hoist my axe again. And I take the one who finds me back to where it all began, when Jesus was the honeymoon and Cain was just the man. I mean, that's that's funny. It's so <laughs> it's so it's so weird. Like I, I mean, I'm just not a lyrical person, so I I, I just because I don't ever like I don't ever learn lyrics when I'm singing. I just. I make up stuff. You see me do the jam. I'm just making up noises, You're making and I hear up funny shit. Yeah, you are making up funny but shit. but the thing is, is like immediately when I put this record on it, I said this was the first time I've listened to, you know, a Leonard Cohen album. I was walking around Washington, D.C. with the dog, and it, this avalanche came on, and I had no idea what he was saying, but I just was like, it created such a mood. You know, I it's like I heard it. It's like, I mean, I don't have the lyrics put up in front of me, but, you know, I can take the idea of what an avalanche is and apply it to, you know, how scary that must be and how forceful that is and how powerful. So I understood that whatever he's saying is super deep and super thought out and super like, you know, like I said, heavy, but it's immediately like, it's such a, you know, it just created such a mood. And then for the rest of that weekend, I was just listening to this record on repeat. Yo, well, um, I, I love how the record is essentially it's his voice. It's the other voices like the background voices, and it's his guitar, yeah. which is that kind of Spanish guitar-influenced mm -hmm. thing that he does. And then it's the strings, the Paul Buckmaster strings, which are just, just ridiculously, beautifully arranged strings that, especially on Avalanche, it just it kills me every time. It I, does, yeah. It's, oh my God. And there's only one song on the whole record that has drums or, and bass, like... Which one was that? I forget. Diamonds in the Mine, I think. But I mean, every song, even if it, that's so funny that you noticed that, because I didn't even put two and two together that there weren't drums on every song. I know on Avalanche, but it feels like there's, it feels like it's a full, like, it's just, it's every song. Avalanche is so powerful to open the record with that. And, and the weight of it and his voice, it's like all those little things were, were me being like, oh, this guy, this is just what I said years ago. I was like, ah, oh, this guy, you just he's just a dude that sings in that like lower register. It's like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But it's like, it all makes sense now that I'm like, oh, and this made me want to go and start listening to more of his music. Here's, here's my favorite. So 
aside from like, well, I stepped into an avalanche, it covered up my soul being like one of the most amazing opening lines I've ever heard. Um, this, this verse, you who wish to conquer pain, you must learn what makes me kind. The crumbs of love that you offer me, they're the crumbs I've left behind. Your pain is no credential here. It's just the shadow, shadow of my wound. Yeah, that's great. Do not dress in those rags for me. I know you are not poor. You don't love me quite so fiercely now when you know that you are not sure. It is your turn, beloved. It is your flesh that I wear. Whew. I mean, that is, that is, that is just anguished lyrics. Those are, those are like, it's, it's, I mean, did you ever, like, we have stuff here saying, you know, about what, about, you know, the facts or whatever, the record, but were you ever able to, like, really talk to him about, like, you know, the records and the meanings and the poems, and were you able to kind of, like, pick his brain? Because, I mean, listening to, because what's so great is hearing you write, the, hearing you read those lyrics, and then hearing the music that you've been creating, um... It's. I can see where the influence is. Am I wrong? Like, you, I mean, you've been very lucky to be able to work with such incredible people. And of course, we're always same with comics. We're always like influenced by who we're around. Um, would you say on on your last record, like Leonard was there when you were kind of you know with you while you were kind of writing that? Of course, he's like one of my biggest influences. Um, in terms of him talking about his own lyrics. Uh, it's not something that that he was very interested in doing with anybody because it it took away the mystery of where this art was coming from. Like he he always said, like from a spiritual perspective, you're not the doer. You know, I'm sure you've heard like you're not your thoughts, you're not your body, yeah. you're not mm -hmm. the doer, and to take you know credit or like say like you're in control of what you're creating is is not really the way to kind of look at it um so so not specifically his words but he read me um this amazing piece of poetry that he was working on called what happens to the heart um which was eventually just released a couple of years ago on this last posthumous record and it's in the book, The Flame. And it's just one of the most remarkable pieces of poetry and words that I've ever heard. Uh, like, if you want to hear it. Sure, please. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you a taste. Yeah, just a nice little, little nugget. I was always working steady, but I never called it art. I was funding my depression, meeting Jesus, reading Marx. Sure, it failed my little fire, but it's bright, the dying spark. Go tell the young Messiah what happens to the heart. There's a mist of summer kisses where I tried to double park. It's <laughs> funny. The rivalry was vicious and the women were in charge. It was nothing, it was business, but it left an ugly mark. So I've come here to revisit what happens to the heart. It just like, gives me goosebumps. It's just so... Whew. Was he... Was he a poet that suddenly started making music, or was he just starting yeah. as a songwriter? Yes. Like no, 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 no. What poet. like what was his background? Like he was uh, in Canada, like with like in the poet scene. Um, Irving Layton was his mentor, who he spoke okay. a lot about. His the one thing that that he would 
he like kept saying was like anytime I was like you know well like but there's this but then there's also this and so and he'd be like, you know my mentor used to tell me the poet is always conflicted and it's funny because it's like you know we want to think like we know we're very decisive people but really the poet is conflicted <laughs> wasn't that just any artist is conflicted yeah. Yeah, that's basically yeah. it. Yeah, but but that's where the art is. Like, how could you really write if there's the the conflict is what makes it interesting? Mm -hmm. You know that he's like in love. Love calls you by your name, right? Mm -hmm. Where he indicates it's between like you thought that it could never happen to all the people that you became. Your body lost in legend. The beast so very tame. But here, right here, between the birthmark and the stain, between the ocean and your open vein, between the snowman and the rain, once again, once again, love calls you by your name. To point to, well, between the birthmark and the stain, like, what does that do to your mind when you, when you focus on that? Yeah. It's just amazing. I mean, he's, he's a mystical poet and lyricist would you would you because i'm actually curious about this being that you're you're such a lyrical person and, and musical but let's just focus on this like the song the lyrics and songwriting um would you, i mean obviously you're putting him up on your mount rushmore if you had to put like the greatest song lyricists like who would you put up there yeah him and but i want to know who else no, i already mentioned like dylan. yeah dylan, dylan yeah. paul simon but but leonard has this mystical thing that I've never heard another lyricist touch, um, at least not in the same uh, depth and intensity and heart. And there are, like, for instance, if you want to talk about, like, spiritual writers, there's a lot of, spirit, like, Sufi poets. Like, you can go and read this amazing, like, Zen poetry, and it's unbelievable. I've read a lot of it. The thing is that makes Leonard unique is that instead of staying in a cave, because I know he did go to Mount Baldy, but like he stayed in the world. And so the world became the cave, you know, because like a lot of artists, they dream about going to, you know, fuck off and go to a cave or something. That tendency, because you're used to that solitude of writing. And so it is, it's very similar to like being like a monk, like living alone and writing alone and doing everything. You're very, you're looking inward all the time. Like when you read these lyrics, you don't know if he's talking about God or woman. It's like the Song of Songs, you know, the Song of Songs, like from the Bible. It's like one of the oldest poems that was like in in the bible it's called the song of solomon you know see he, he was really into like the bible and like that's why there's so many references to all these biblical figures and stuff and he drew a lot of inspiration from that um and then there's this the, yeah this spiritual aspect to well not aspect it's in all of his writing it's just it's just right there um and that that I always had like a spiritual tendency, you know what I mean? Like a curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, like since I, I since I was like 12 years old, maybe even earlier, I, I used to write in my journal and it's like asking these 
very esoteric questions and like my parents tell me that like since I could talk like since I was two three years old it's like I had I was asking why about every single thing so like there's because why is a crooked letter and you can't make it straight but literally everything I was questioning everything looking at everything and um so that that tendency was there um when I was introduced to Leonard's work it really um, made me want to look deeper and yeah. uh, more intensely. And then it was really only when he passed away and the effect that that had on my spirit um, that, you know, after the long morning process um, where I just, I literally packed up all my stuff um, and through everything in storage. I didn't want to like touch an instrument. I just like, I remember that. That was when we met, we met. Yeah, where, that's when, that, I, that's when I went to the comedy store for the first time. Yeah. Cause yeah. one of my friends was like, um, Tal, uh, you, you need to go and laugh. <laughs> you need yeah. to laugh. And so I remember the first time I went to the comedy store, it was actually with Leonard's daughter. Oh no, maybe that was the s second time. It was like either the first or the second time, but I remember starting to meet all these comedians in a very short amount of time. And like, it really helped me get through that time because that it's not, it's one thing to like, I don't know. The loss of Leonard Cohen is, is, um, I can't imagine what it was like for his family, but just from, from my connection with him, it was probably the biggest, um, heartbreaking experience I guess your your question earlier about like did we talk about lyrics like we talked about my like I sung him for instance like I was I sung him one thing after another and and he's like can you sing it again and I want to hear every single line like and then after every line he'd be like so tell me more about this and like and when you use this word like tell me like and he was asking so many questions with the most loving curiosity and support. And when someone is that attentive to your self-expression, which is, yeah. you know, your soul's expression, when mm -hmm. someone is that attentive to that, losing that, it, it just, it's, it cuts really deep and I know it's I know you know what I'm talking about when you lost your best friend. Yeah. It's like the the it's not like you can get that with anybody. Now it's irreplaceable when you have that kind of connection with somebody. You know, it's it's special. It's that those come you get maybe one or two of those in a lifetime. You know? And so it's I, it's I, right I, it's right there and it and that that became like a burning fire of like well now, now I real once I kind of got through that initial hump and then going to the comedy store and like laughing it all out, yeah. then it was like okay I'm gonna dig really really deep, um, and get and get to know like look inward I suppose and so my meditation uh, increased and my my studying scriptures like you know I, it really really went through the roof once Leonard passed because it was uh, I, I had to kind of get, dig deeper into that thing that he definitely ignited in me and I think ignites in anybody that pays attention to his his words and lyrics and that's like 
the the such a profound gift that he's given everybody. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. I mean, the amount of time that he puts into his words, like what happens to the heart, like he was saying that he filled up like several notebooks just of this one lyric or like hallelujah, like what was it? 80 verses he wrote to like refine it down to like a few. Did he really? Oh yeah. Like he will write and write and write and write and rewrite and spend days and months and years. What it was, it must've been like 13 years or some, some ridiculous amount of time on hallelujah. Like he, he really puts in, the time and I remember asking him some questions about his process it wasn't directly asking him about specific words but the one piece of advice that I'll always take with me is like you know the one thing is that I'll I'll listen to a piece um, first thing in the morning and uh, listen to it drunk I'll listen to it stone I'll listen to it when I'm really excited I'll listen to it when I'm depressed um, or everything in between and if i can if i can identify with the the writer um yeah. and this piece of music in all different kinds of states and have those states influence this piece of work and then wait a day or two and then look at it again and the more you do that the more um the more it can reach everybody and it's just it, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I kind of I think we all naturally do that anyway. But just to hear him say that um, was really helpful to me, and to know how much effort he did put into his words. You know, it's not like he just like spewed it out and there it was. That doesn't mean he ha- didn't have the most amazing natural talent. But as well as that, like he put in the time, the craftsmanship. I'm wondering how long he spent on this record. Let me see if we have anything about that about the background on this. Well, apparently, like, he started working on, like, at least, like, three or four of these songs when he was still um, at the Chelsea, like, so, you know, what's funny is that this record was mainly recorded in Nashville. He was actually living in Nashville. I don't know if you know this, 
but he was living there. And what's really funny is that he thought he was writing a country record. Really? Yeah, like he thought that he was a country singer. <laughs> like he was wearing like these cowboy boots and stuff. And like, um, yeah, I, I heard a story about um, him like at an airport running into George Michael when George Michael was like at the the height of his career, like in the spotlight, like one of the biggest artists. And like George Michael came up to Leonard and said, I, I saw you wearing these cowboy boots and inspired me so much that you would do this that then I started wearing them. And like, thank you for giving me like the permission to wear these cowboy boots. I just thought, I just think it's funny because, you know, when you listen to this record, it's, it's not a country record. At all, no. But I can see where, you know, judging by, yeah, it's like, it's not. That's where he felt like he fit in as like a country singer. Um, it's like saying like when Bowie did Let's Dance, like he's like trying to make a pop record and you're like, it's, but it's not really a pop record, but it's his interpretation of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's way too deep and esoteric and left of center. All right, guys, let's pump the brakes for a second. I know all of you want to get back to this awesome conversation, but before we do, I wanted to pull back the curtain a little bit and give you an inside look at how this show gets made. First of all, did you know that the 500 is part of the Next Chapter podcast family? What does that mean? Well, Next Chapters is a company that produces a whole slate of very cool shows that you've probably been hearing me talk about for a while now, like Play On, which takes Shakespeare and reimagines it into a different place and time, like the golden age of radio, for its translation of Twelfth Night starring Amy Brenneman. There's Midnight Public Radio, the weirdo sketch comedy parody of NPR you need to hear. And if you love sports, you cannot miss the Rex Chapman Show with guests like Ice Cube, Jamel Hill, and Steph Curry. So give their other shows a listen. And of course, you can also check out all the new music, album history, and bonus content for the 500 at ncpodcast.com. And follow Next Chapter on socials at ncpodcast. That's ncpodcast. Dig it, y'all. Well, what about you? Since you've since you know his full catalog, like what is what about the album before this? Like, what would you call the album before this? It, what, well, what all know? three of the the albums, like the first three albums, they do have like a through line, um, and then he kind of like started to like slowly depart from that m more serious uh, kind of approach. I mean, like his humor became less hidden. You know what I mean? Like, there's funny lines. There's a lot of funny lines in, in this record. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a serious record. You know, it's quite a serious, deep record. But then there's some, there's some classic, hilarious songs. What are, what are, what like, because I know you've already read a few of the lyrics, but what are the ones that really make you laugh the most off about this like record? About, like, Dear he On this record? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I like... There. Uh, I, I like Diamonds in the Mine. I think it's like, there is no comfort in the covens of the witch. Some very clever doctor went and sterilized the bitch. And the only man of energy, yes, the revolution's pride. He trained a hundred women just to kill an unborn child. I mean, that's like, holy shit, that's like really like sad and deep and like, but it's also, he's funny. The way he delivers this is funny. When it's sterilized the bitch or like, or, or dress rehearsal rag where he's, have you read those lyrics where yeah. he's like, he's like, he's like singing to himself in the mirror and, uh, 
he get, he's like, hey, hey, Prince, you need to shave. Now, if you can manage to get your trembling fingers to behave. And then he's like, cover up your face with soap. There, now you're Santa Claus. And you've got a gift for everyone who will give you his applause. And he's going on and on about, uh, like, it's a, it's, you got to read the whole lyric. But it gets to his, there is a punchline. There's actually a punchline at the end of this song. Now Santa Claus comes forward. That's a razor in his mitt. And he puts on his dark glasses and he shows you where to hit. And then the cameras pan, the stand-in stuntman, dress rehearsal rag. You know, it's yeah. very dark. <laughs> but then it's like this, the stand-in stuntman, like the stand-in for the stand-in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole thing, it's very clever and witty and funny. I never would have, I never would have found the humor in this stuff unless you would have really explained it. I just, I thought everything he was saying was just like, you know, about God. And I mean, I literally was reading the title, the songs of love and hate. I mean, is, is that even a joke too? Like, I mean, it can be, if you look at like in a more spiritual sense, like love and hate being the same thing, the different sides mm -hmm. of, of the same coin, just like fear and desire Fear is a negative desire, or desire is a positive fear. So they're opposites, but it's actually exactly the same thing. It's on one coin. Yeah. So that's the whole, like, duality um, that he's pointing to with everything. And that's, like, with this uh, between the birthmark and the stain, between the ocean and your open vein, between the snowman and the rain, between the dancer and his cane, between the sailboat and the drain. Wow. It, he's pointing right to that, the center of, of what we're all like looking for inside ourselves all the time. Wow. That's heavy, man. And with humor. Like, he's, he's, he's a really funny guy. And also what makes him really, really, like, he's, like, when, when I, remember what I was telling you, I, I went to his house and we, like, had, like, mm. a six-hour conversation. Well, like, when I walked in the door he was totally like a jewish grandmother he was like i just finished cooking you this chicken curry and i was like oh i'm i'm sorry i'm actually like not eating dairy at the moment and he's like oh well um how about some papaya and i was like oh no no thank you i don't really eat well, what about some pickle juice um pickle juice it's really good for you and i'm like oh i don't know well can I make you some Turkish coffee? <laughs> Can I? So, and like after he's like offered me for like 15 minutes, like every possible thing in his, his fridge or like ordering stuff. And then he's like, so, so what are you doing? Like, are you, are you going to be, get married? Are you going to have children? Like it's a full Jewish grandma. <laughs> I, so, I would have never thought, I would have thought he was serious all, with the lyrics that you're explaining. And that's, I love, but that's also the, you know, everything in the lyrics is like that. You say it's all the same thing. He's he can be presented in one image. But on the other hand, he's just like my Bubby, you know, and he's like wants to give you <laughs> he wants to make sure he's like he's like somebody's oh. coming to the house. I want to make sure they're fed. I mean, on his live gigs, he had that it, this grace and humility and generosity that I have never seen another artist do. How, like, how so? Like, what would he okay. do? Like, on stage, he would literally get on one knee and, like, take off his hat and, like, have everyone focus on whoever is playing the solo. Like, honoring each band member. Not only that, 
but he would literally credit the crew, the lighting guy and the front of house guy on stage to the whole audience for them to applaud. One by one. I mean, who does that? He's just unbelievable. Well, I, I will say this, and I'm not saying who does that, but uh, I went to go see Rammstein at MetLife Stadium, that German, like, <laughs> deaf techno band, whatever you want to call it. And at the end of the show, they did credits because of the show production. I was like, I was just blown away that I was like, they listed everybody who designed their costumes, you know. So there's a connection. Rammstein, Leonard Cohen, they're very, yeah. they're, they're very loving. They're very, they, they appreciate everybody. I just love that. I, I'm I'm serious. I would have, I was literally gonna think that told that you were going to, you know, like I knew you have this deep relationship. We met him a different thing, but I just didn't know that he could break from the way it's being presented. I I love this. It makes me like him even more now. Yeah. No. I mean, he's he kept he kept going back to like uh, the artist is conflicted, like uh, uh, Irving saying, Leonard, are you sure you're doing the wrong thing? See, he kept looking. Tala, you sure you're doing the wrong thing? It's a, it's he's a funny, sweet, amazing human. Um, and also, like, he, I remember him telling me this story about uh, he was invited to play at the New Newport Jazz Festival, and he went with his manager. And like before he got on stage, uh, he was like, um, I don't know, I don't know if I can go on stage. Like, I can't sing. And his manager just looks at him and he's like, well, none of you can sing. If I wanted to go see a singer, I'd go see the Metropole Opera. You know? <laughs> and he like just laughs about it. Like he totally, you know, likes to make fun of himself. Like the self-deprecating uh, approach is, is in all of these songs. I mean, that's essentially what the dress rehearsal rag is. It's like just this self-deprecating or last year's man. It's the self-deprecating thing. I mean, not, it's not like it's one thing, but it's all in that song. Yeah, this album, this album like, really, it's just, it's, it's like from the opening to the closing, it's just, it has such a good flow to it. And, you know, just looking at some of the tracks that I really like, loved, I mean, obviously Avalanche, uh, I, I love Famous Blue Raincoat. Um, yeah. You know, where do you put this record when you, when you look at his entire catalog? which uh, I don't know how many records he ended up making. I have it somewhere in here. Um, but where do you put this record in, in, in terms of like of his work? Do you feel like this is his it's best work? My, there is no best. It's just a different, different phases of Leonard. I mean, yeah, it is, it's one of my favorite records. Um, but I get something out of all of his, his, his work. It's just I'm probably the wrong person to ask. No, 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 no. I, I look. I, I don't know anything. I, I, I could read the facts that I have in front of me, and and sitting here and talking to you and have knowing you so well and and loving you so much. It's like I just want you to like lead this episode. You tell me what you want to tell me about him, because it's everything you're saying is making me appreciate his music even more. And that's what I love about this podcast. What I love about this podcast is sitting down with a fan of the Smiths that loves the Smiths and can perfectly explain why the album and the artist is so good that it rubs off on me. And then when I re-listen to the record, I'm like, yeah, man. Oh, I hear it now. Now I see it. And and like I said, I knew I knew he was special. 
I knew there was something, you know. Let me ask you this. Did you ever, did you ever, like, ever talk to him about the Hallelujah cover by Jeff Buckley? Did he ever say anything about that? Uh, no, I did bring it up. I, I mentioned that I, I think that was how I discovered him. And, um, but it was just kind of like a, we didn't really go into depth about it or anything. But I was, but I wonder what how he felt about it. Did he, about the, the Jeff Buckley like? He always had something wonderful to say about anybody. He's just one of those people. Really, just really, really, yeah. Like even like famous Blue Raincoat. He was like, if you read interviews about it, he's like, oh, I don't know about that song. It's it's a, a little bit incoherent. But I really like the way um, uh, was it Jennifer that did it? Um, Jennifer Warren. Yeah, 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 like. He, he'll talk about, like, oh, I like her hers better. And, yeah, and, I've got that right there. It's because I worked on a different version for her, and I thought it was somewhat more coherent. <laughs> but I always thought that that was a song you could see the carpentry in a bit, although there are some images in it that I am very pleased with, and the tune is real good. That just sounds like a sweet man. He's so sweet. I mean, that melody, it, like, the, the thing is that, like, you know, I was talking about the whole sing. like, he didn't think of himself as a singer. Yeah. But this record is filled with this like lullaby esque melody, like in in all of the songs. It's sure. it's, but it's actually unbelievable the melody writing, and like you kind of don't initially focus on that because it's so lyric forward that you're paying attention to the words, um, and the atmosphere. But the melodies are so profound. Um, and hooky that it's like like some of these songs like Love Calls You By Your Name like that could be like a standard but he kind of understates some of these melodies and so you know some other singer might kind of make a bigger fuss of like the melody and make it more, maybe perhaps a bit more apparent as to how hooky it is but that's what I absolutely love about him so much is that he doesn't make a big deal of it he just sings the words and the melody, and that's it. He's not doing any like flashy shit. It's yeah, he he is just the voice of his soul, and that's what you listen to, and it just and it penetrates your soul directly. There's not one time have I ever listened to him be like, oh, he's just doing that to impress somebody, or he's doing that to like whatever. It's just it's just raw, and direct, and stunning. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's it 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 that really that really makes sense to me now, Tall. Like I, it really does. Like I, I love how you just presented it like that, because you know if you if you're not if you don't know enough about his music and you just hear it, you go that's that that's that baritone guy or whatever. It's like he's presenting the the words and 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 in just a way that you could hear these poems with in a sense like a tune to it and and and. and they're also like these very beautiful tunes, but it's just like, he doesn't, it's not, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no glitz. There's no glamour. It's just raw. I love that. Yeah. And the things that they used to decorate the songs, which we were talking about earlier, like the strings, which are Paul Buckmaster, yeah. one of the best fucking string arrangers ever. Like he did like a bunch of Elton stuff, like tiny dancer. And like, he's done like leave on like, all, like amazing work. Paul Buckmaster, like if you look at his discography of what he's, it's unbelievable. So they they were decorating it like with the strings and like obviously he's backing himself with that amazing guitar. But then it's also the voices 
like there's the um you know his background singers that do those really haunting things on like um famous blue raincoat but then there's also the children's voices that you hear a bunch and like you know like that directly influenced pink floyd and um roger waters and like the and they you know they're not shy about saying how 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 much they admire leonard cohen like the wall came out what like eight eight or nine years maybe after this i'm not sure exactly but like yeah but like, well, this came out in 71 i think the wall came out in 79 or, yeah, 79 or 80 yeah. yeah you can see how that influenced just like just the kids thing um the choir but the, that i just i really love the choices that were were they're minimalistic choices but they're perfect because it's just like this, this right here and then this right here and then he's just in the center singing his songs you know yeah it's beautiful yeah. that is beautiful and he's very rhythmic like with his the guitar playing gives this this forward pulsing thing that you don't actually realize like you were saying that the drums aren't there because he is the drums yeah wow Dude, I can't wait to listen to this record again <laughs> We usually here. Let's wrap this up because I, I could sit here and, and talk to you for for hours about it. Um, I we usually have this string of questions, but I'm only going to ask you uh, like two of them um, because of the relationship you have with him, and I don't think you like they're even appropriate. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Um, but when you listen to this record, I know you, you're treating it as a full piece, but what, what's the song that, that really touches you the most? Love Calls You By Your Name. And why is that? Between the windmill and the grain, between the <laughs> sundial and the chain, between the traitor and her pain. Once again, once again, love calls you by your name. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Why. That's beautiful. All right. And then the only other question I'm going to ask you is, because there's people out there that, that are much like me that have never listened to Leonard Cohen, and this might be their first, you know, venture. What would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this record? Do you want to know yourself better? Because this is a direct invitation. Yeah. He's not teaching you. He's, it's a guide. That's why. Between the traitor and her pain. Think about it. Between the birthmark and the stain. They do like these koans, like in Buddhism. Like, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Or when I met Roshi at that um, rehearsal, and I was like, hi, nice to meet you. And he said... Where are you? And I paused for a minute. I said, in the handshake. He said, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was amazing. I'm so glad you were able to come in and talk about this record. I think you were the perfect person for it. So I really thank you for, for also opening up and being able to talk about this. It's the first time I've, I have talked about him. Um, I've been asked a lot and um, it's just, it's, it's hard, but yeah, this is this this was fun and and I love just shining a light on what an amazing soul he is and and how funny he is. 
I think a lot of people are gonna are really gonna enjoy this. I think the people that you know, we get so many different perspectives on this show, and we've had you know people talk about their own records, and we've had people that are like are, are you know are just diehard fans for an artist and it's the album that they've listened to millions and millions of times and we have people that sometimes are hearing it for the first time because you can't find somebody that it, that that has a connection to every record but this is this is one where it's like you know you you just you understood it so much and and to have that perspective to be lucky enough to meet him and and I think shine a light on on who he is I think like I said before it was you know, this is why I why I I wanted to do this to discover this music, and I could listen to it and I'd just be like, "Wow, this music creates a mood." But to really have you on and 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 really just, I mean, cut right to the center of this record and explain it perfectly, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to listen to more of his work and be able to appreciate it and actually not just hear it, but to really listen to everything that he's saying. I think that, you know, you you just put it perfectly. So I can't thank you enough. He's such a great teacher, and um, and I love how he was always talking about his teachers, you know? And, like, that that is something that they they do a lot, like, in the East, is that there's a lot of gratitude for, for the guru, like, for the teacher. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just deeply grateful for everything that he taught me, and he teaches us forever now through his work. It's perfect. I love you. Thank you so much, Tall. That was, uh, I, re- I can't thank you enough for, for being able to talk about him like that and to give that. I mean, I'm, when I said that about me being a fan now, it's like literally I want to like, like I want to be a, I, like I want to be a poser and just like start listening to everything and being like, oh, now I understand. That. Now I'm listening to this and now I'm doing that. It's like, just, I'm- just do yourself a favor. Don't even, don't even listen to the album. Literally read, read the lyrics and read each one like five times over and like read each verse and think about each line because that's what poetry is it's it's very condensed thought it's you're not supposed to just read it once and get it like you're not supposed to stand in front of a painting for three seconds and like fully have it hit you yeah yeah you're like like stand there for an hour (laughs) you know there was so much craftsmanship in this. Like, it deserves that attention. And I know that, you know, that's possibly a little bit counterintuitive to um, to listening to music, right? Like, the first thing we do when we listen to music when we grow up is, like, we sing along with the melody and we jump around with the beat, you know? You don't even know what the words are and you don't care. You're just like, nah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Like, gibberish. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're just like, you know... Um, but then you're like, well, actually, what, what am I dancing to? Like, what, what are they saying? What, yeah. what is the heart of what they're saying? And he makes you listen to those yeah. words. You know, there's so many people. It's like that Chris Rock joke is like when they talk about the song Get Low, you know, by Little John and all the girls are on the dance floor dancing to it. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's like, this is disgusting. You're just you're just going off on it. I mean, this is nothing like Get Low. I'm not putting it on. There, there's fucking not even apples and oranges. It's well, so you know what? Away. You know what? Actually, the funniest thing that he said to me when we were talking about lyrics was he said, "Yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got love in my tummy. I wish I wrote that <laughs> <laughs> because it's like 
you know, it's the simple nursery rhyme like things that there's so much wisdom in it because it's like it's simple shit. Love is so simple. It's simple yeah. and profound. Yeah, listening to Man Leonard Cohen is like a meditation. Yeah. You know, treat it like a meditation. I, I I mean this sincerely. Like I'm I'm very, very excited to to keep listening to him and uh to now have this like this different view of it. I knew there was something there, but now it's like, oh yeah, like I, it's not even the, the songs. It's just like, listen, just read and understand what he's saying and then, you know, figure that out on my own. Yeah, because it's between the words. Yeah. Just like Miles Davis says, it's between the notes. That's where the magic is. It's in the space between the notes. And of course the magic is in his words too, but the space invites you in to bring it into your life and make it mean something to you. Yeah. Cause I bet like there's so many people that have listened to his work and, and you have one, you know, understanding of what you think it is. And they have one understanding of what they think it is. And it's and anything. It's anything. Yeah. That's what, what an artist wants. I mean, you can't go up there and tell a joke. And then before you tell the joke, tell all the audience what the joke's going to mean to them. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, why should you, and you're not going to explain it afterwards. They, they either laugh or they don't. The laugh they can't control their laughter, their reaction. It's because it just resonates with them instantly. There's just something. And that's the same with poetry. It's like, it's going to hit everyone from whatever they've experienced, but who cares, like, what it means. It'll mean some whatever it means to them. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's great. Dude, you rule. You're great. <laughs> You're the coolest, dude. You're the coolest person I know. <laughs> it's, it's official. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I could talk about, I could really talk about him all day um, because there is no, nobody like him. And when you watch the, I sent you the, the movie, Bird on a Wire, yeah. because just look at his smile, L look at his eyes, look at the way he's looking at the world. Like, look at his presence. W when I spent time with him, I cherished the silence just as much as I was cherishing what we were saying. Like, there would be a lot of deep, long pauses because there was so much that was being said beyond words. And, and you can see that if you watch a documentary on him you, and, and you listen to his interviews and you listen to how he responds energetically and beyond. You can see he's a very evolved soul. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. I want to watch probably watch it tonight when I get back from my show. Cause I'm gonna I'm gonna like as soon as I get here, I'm, as soon as I leave this and I do all my little stuff I got to do, I'm gonna put the album back on and and really like listen and 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 probably while I'm walking to my show, I'm gonna read the lyrics and you know because I'm such an idiot that it's like I have to like I'm such bad ADD that I have to like stare at it to finally because I can't hear it just through the, the the music. I have to like look at it as I'm listening to it. Um, me too. Me too. I mean, it's, it's not about ADD. It's like, you know, the pace of the words while listening to it is different to the pace. And that's why he prints, you know, these books where the lyrics are presented in a very different way. Like, um, even how they're like spaced out and stuff is it's, it's different in the books. Um, and then there's different, like famous blue raincoat. Look at it. It's like that it's written in paragraphs. Yeah. It's not like, you know, Diamonds in the Mine, which is more like yeah. traditional. 
No, I love it. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love you. Thank you. You you did this was your episode to really tell the world like how special this guy was. And it I'm telling you, it's it's it, everything you said was beautiful. Everything you said was good. Uh people need to hear this because I think especially my fans, they will really appreciate uh what you said. It's 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 fantastic. Like I'm I, I mean it when I say it. Like I'm you've made me a fan and I'm now I don't have any books and I'm I'm gonna go and order his books now and put them up on my mantle and and become a Leonard Cohen like late in the game poser. But I'll you know, <laughs> but I'll rep it as much as I can. Um, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Tall Wilkenfeld. Follow her on Instagram at Tall Me A Story, T A L M E A S T O R Y. Follow her on Twitter at Tall Wilkenfeld. Get her new record, Love Remains. It's brilliant. And go to her website, tallwilkenfeld.com, for all music and tour dates. I already gave people shout outs at the beginning. So. For new music, we are actually playing some Miss Wilkenfeld. Uh, This is off her new record, Love Remains. You're listening to the song Hard to Be Alone, and you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you want your song played at the end of the 500 or on our website, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com, and we will play it. Uh, Next week... MC5. Ooh, this is a good one. We already recorded it. We Some of you already probably know because I put out the bad signal on Twitter to get some questions. But we got Kim Thale from Soundgarden back talking about MC5. Kick out the jams. We'll see you next week.
try to get out of this crowded house This glass home But it's so damn hard To be Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station. It was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Right? Yeah. 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 The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Next Chapter Podcasts.